I want to encourage you to take your Bible, if you would, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. In the course of um, cleaning out the old homestead, which I've been busy doing, helping my dad, getting it prepped for, for sale. In fact, I'm going to head down that way after I'm done here this morning uh, to continue in that journey. But I ran across my scientific calculator from my freshman year at Central Michigan University back in the fall of 1973. And I brought that baby along with me. I, uh, one of the classes that I took was organic chemistry. I don't remember a whole lot of anything about it other than it sticks in my mind. It was incredibly difficult. It really was. I remember going at night for labs, and uh, I had my scientific calculator with me. As I was do, you know, some of you that are old enough are going, yeah, I know what that is. And some of the younger ones here are going, I, what does he have up there? It's the old slide rule. And um, I have no idea how to use it anymore. I didn't even know I still had it cleaning out a box, and there it was, and I thought, oh man, I remember, and uh, sort of unpleasant memories drifted back as, as I, I remember sitting there for hours working those equations and um, trying to, to figure things out. I, uh, but it also reminded me, it was kind of a, um, a symbol, a personal symbol to me of the pursuit of the good life. Now, what I want to speak to you about this morning is uh, this statement, and it, and it might not set right when I first say it here. Uh, living the good life is one of the greatest ways to bring people to Jesus Christ. Now, in the fall of 1973, when I loaded up my uh, 1971 green gremlin and headed up this way to live with grandpa and grandma and uh, commute back and forth from North River Road out there uh, to the campus and 8 o'clock to be in a swimming class, which was just brutal, uh, to be honest, just because the water was so chilly. And I'm hope personally, when, when he said earlier about the, the temperatures coming, I am hopeful that that happens. I, we live right off Lake Michigan, and it's been kind of cold, so we could use some of that. But um, as, as I came here, my purpose in coming to Central Michigan University was uh, I was in a, a course of, of pursuing being a dentist. I wanted to do pre-dental work here at CMU and then uh, hopefully get into the University of Michigan and from there just pursue what I thought would be a good life. Wanted to have a, a good source of income, enjoy a good family, bring God along for the ride. I didn't, you know, I'd always been a part of church, had no intention of not being a part of church. To me, that was a vision of the good life. It was not the good life. And it didn't unfold. And in fact, um, God moved in such a way as uh, to bring me into harmony with what his goal was and where he wanted me to be and what my journey would look like. But you're there in 1 Peter chapter 3. I would like to read the paragraph beginning in verse 8 through verse 12. And in particular, what leaps out at me is uh, that phrase in verse 10, if you want a happy life and good days. And I think all of us naturally would answer that with, yeah, uh, I would like that. I would like that. 
Uh, I have the text in front of me in my notes is uh, English Standard Version, but I want to read this out of the New Living Translation, the paragraph that uh, I'm about to read. Paul says, or Peter, excuse me, says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind, full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when people say unkind things about you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God wants you to do, and he will bless you for it. For the scriptures say, if you want a happy life and good days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and keep your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Work hard at living in peace with others. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord turns against those who do evil. Uh, That is a stark statement uh, that we have uh, as we think of that. A couple of times back when I was here with you, we looked over in chapter 2 and and in verse 12, where Peter says, and I think this is really kind of his target all the way through his writing here, 1 Peter, uh, when he says, Be careful how you live among your your unbelieving neighbors, Even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will believe and give honor to God when he comes to judge the world. I really think Peter is saying, I want you to be people of impact. And the point of our impact into the lives of our neighbors, of those that we work with, of those that we go to school with, of those who are our customers and and, and that whole sphere of our lives as people move in and out and they interact with us and we interact with them. Uh, Our whole goal is to bring them to the spot where they glorify God. Now, more than anything else, what we'd like to see happen is that they would name the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That they would turn from their sin, they'd be saved, they would walk with him. But I want you to consider, just as I read that statement there, that not only is it true that that is the goal, but there is that reality. There's an event that is coming that is out there in the future. And and Paul says of that day, he says, uh, there is a day coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Now think about that for a moment with me as we think about the good life. Our impact is to be on all of those people. In fact, Peter here says, so that on the day when God visits judgment, your impact is such that they will give glory to God. And it's not just those who respond to the gospel that will on that day give glory to God. It is also those who do not respond to the gospel that on that day will give glory to God. And and one of the factors in their giving glory to God is going to be the lives that you and I who are followers of Jesus lived out in front of them. The things that we shared with them, uh, what they observed as they kind of sized us up, 
on that day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we will have had impact in the lives of people that are on both sides of that day. Those for whom the next moment is going to be ushering in an eternity separated from God of punishment. Uh, An awful reality that, that sometimes we don't even want to think about. On the other hand, there will be those that... Um, uh, uh, will enter in, hopefully with each and every one of us here this morning, will be entering into the joy of, of the kingdom that God has in store for us. And there will be some of those kinds of interactions that, that Ray Bolt sings about where people come up and say, I just want to thank you for your life. That's why I, I kind of did the commercial last week, and I, and I didn't see it in the bulletin this week, but I did Paul talked to Paul for a few minutes beforehand to say one of the, one of the reasons that uh, a, a program like Kids Hope, like Vacation Bible School, like Trunk or Treat, uh, is, is very important is because it's making an impact. It's making an impact. Uh, and there are so many bridges that we bridge into the lives of people with uh, as um, we share the gospel. So let me develop that thought that I gave to you just a few moments ago. I think the good life is a driving force in human existence. I think every one of us has a desire for the good life. I think it's a driving force in humanity. Uh, And in fact, I I, want to say to you that I think that it is proper and fitting to preserve pursue a good life. In fact, the good life. The enemy has stolen that from us and we need to take it back from it. There is no good life out there available outside of being in harmony with God. There isn't. See, it wasn't wrong that I was on a path to become a dentist. What was wrong, in fact, you know, and, and I've run into some great godly dentists that I appreciate that I think that are, that are living the good life. Uh, for me personally, it was that I wanted to do what I wanted to do the way that I wanted to do it when I wanted to do it. And it wasn't really what God had in store for me. It would have been a miserable life had I continued on it. It is that I am in harmony with him that makes the difference. In fact, I would say to you that instilled in the very act of creation is God putting into us a desire for the good life. In the garden, God repeatedly said, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. And it was very good. Now, you got the paragraph in front of you. I would like to just have us take it apart for a few minutes together here. Phrase there in uh, verse 8. Finally, all of you. 
I think all of you connect to whoever in verse 10. And, um, and I think whoever really is referring not just simply to his audience, but to all of mankind. Uh, I think it's important for us to, to note that there's a connection that uh, from verse 9 that you might obtain a blessing at the end of verse 9 to it being defined here in verse 10 as good days and loving life. Good days and loving life. So what is this good life? Well, it's not defined by the enemy in ways that the enemy would have us believe. It's not defined by money. Um, It's not defined by entertainment. It's not defined by ecstatic kinds of feelings. Uh, it, It is not defined by a whole host of influence. It is defined by uh, living a life Peter gives us a snapshot of here in these verses. First of all, I note that it is a blessing that is bestowed. It's a blessing that is bestowed. Uh, God wants to bless us, verse 9. And the blessing that he wants to give to us is a good life. Uh, and and I, I'm one of those that um, would say, I, I appreciate the good life that God has given. Uh, it, it's the kind of life that as we live it, we're aware that this is a good life. It's the kind of life that as we live it, we're aware that it is kind of magnetic and it's drawing other people uh, to, to, toward us in the sense of, uh, I kind of like what you've got. Uh, it, we should all also understand, and you've observed it and I've observed it, that it's not necessarily guaranteed that if someone uh, is a Christian that they are living the good life because it's so easy to get off track. But it is indeed a blessing that is bestowed. Uh, it is kind of a climatic thing that's going on in the Christian life. Uh, e- even the word finally at the, at the beginning of this in verse 8, uh, it, it's almost as if he's drawing a conclusion. You almost have the idea here, in fact, some have uh, wondered about it, that if he's not just bringing the, the book to a close at this point. And, and obviously he does not, but he's saying to us through that word, I, I want you to understand that every bit thing that I've been saying up to this point is kind of leading into this moment here that uh, I, I want to give you this vision of what is really Great. In fact, as we look at this, I think what we're being told is that living this kind of life individually and as families and as a church community is really about giving the people around us a taste of what heaven is. A taste of what heaven is. Notice some of the particulars. It's not found, third, by living in a vacuum. It's lived out in the life of the community. Notice the things that uh, he states to us here uh, in this paragraph. We are to have unity of mind. 
unity of mind. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Uh, we should all have a, a similar mind. It doesn't mean that we are carbon copies of one another. It doesn't mean that we all share the same likes and dislikes. Uh, but it means that there is a, a, a unity, that there is, there is a, uh, a flow among us that, that the world looks at. And how, how does that happen? Paul says in Romans chapter 12, live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, uh, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Later in Romans in chapter 15, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and, and it's pictured every week, week in and week out, as we gather in this auditorium and as we are led in singing and worship, uh, that uh, we with one voice and, and with our voices projected, lift that up and, and sing to God. And there's this, this desire that Paul says that we need to understand that that just is, brings great glory to God. To the Philippians, he writes in chapter 2, if there is any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Uh, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. We are to have a unity of mind. We should have sympathy and brotherly love, he says here in this verse that's in front of us. Uh, be full of sympathy. Uh, love one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Again, Scripture reminds us over and over of our responsibility to do that very thing. Paul writes in chapter 12 of Romans, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Uh, stumble over one another to love, and love is action. To do for. To the Thessalonians, he writes in chapter 4, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. John, as he's writing, and uh, most of these other guys are, are dead at this point in time, in chapter 4 of 1 John says, If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. There is that right responsibility, and I noticed as I opened the the uh, bulletin this morning, just the, the, the people, and, and prayed uh, in my time up here for those people that were listed that are going through uh, some significant things at this moment in time in their life here. Uh, and it, we reach out to them, and there is that sympathy, and there is that brotherly love that causes us to act. Do you need a meal? Uh, what can I do for you? How can we rally as a church? Peter says, 
We're to have a, a tender heart. Uh, when I think of tender heart, I often am drawn back to Paul's statement in Ephesians chapter 4. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. As God in Christ forgave you. There is this, this tenderness that, that exists among us as Christians. And a lot of it has to do with recognizing that um, we are all on a journey uh, together and that at any given moment in time there uh, can enter into our lives because of sin, bad choices that are made, weakness that's exhibited, uh, maybe a lashing out, and, and, it, it, and it's how we respond to that tenderheartedly, with forgiveness, uh, with, with the, the, the emphasis on reconciliation and, and restoration. Not only are we to have a tender heart, but we are also, Peter says here, to have a humble mind. Have a humble mind. Paul, again, says in Ephesians chapter 4 that we do these things with all humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. A fourth thing that I wrote down as I looked at this paragraph in terms of of living the good life is, is that there is this reminder here not to bother with trying to right personal wrongs that have been received. As Peter says here, don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but instead, bless. That drew my mind back to to Paul's statement. Romans chapter 12. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Uh, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Weep with those that weep. In uh, his, his statements here, at verse 21, at, at the end of it, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, and, he, and he speaks of, um, you know, doing, as Peter says here, good to those who despite us and treat us bad. Fifth thing that I, that I pick up as I look at, at this paragraph that's, that's here in front of us is, is just this guard that I am to have on my tongue. Keep my tongue from evil, my lips from speaking deceit. That's a constant need in our lives. Peter says, make sure you set that guard there. It's, it's a critical part of living the good life. Sixth, it maintains the right direction for the eyes. Let, let him turn away from, from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Uh, there is this direction of life that we are headed in. Uh, and he says, may, may it be uh, a pursuit of that which is good. Might it be a pursuit of that which is peace? That which brings Great joy to God's heart. The seventh thing that I, that I grabbed as I looked at this paragraph that's in front of us is just from that phrase there, 
that his ears are open to those, to their prayers. Uh, It prays regularly. Our communication with God is so vital, so essential as we live our lives. Now, I, I don't know about you, but when I remember back to days on the playground, we were choosing teams for whatever. Often it was um, dodgeball on the playground. Sometimes it was kickball. Uh, it might have been soccer. But you, you remember the anxiety of all that, if you ever did it. Am I going to get chosen? What number am I going to be chosen? What team am I going to be on? And is so-and-so going to be on my team, or is so-and-so going to be on the other team? Because usually there's one person out there, it's like the dominant force. Uh, I notice here that uh, th- that kind of came back to me as I, as I listened to this verse, verse 12. To think about whether God is on my side or God is against me. So in a sense, it's like, am I on his side or am I against him? And, and being on his side is the good life. It really is. It's the good life. Not being on his side is the bumpy, bumpy road. Going to get beat in the game. You know, if you got that one dominant athlete out there, whether it was soccer or dodgeball, or kickball, uh, if they were good enough, you were going to win. And if you were on the wrong side, you are going to lose. And, and when it comes to uh, living the life that we're called to live, we don't want to be on the wrong side. And when it comes to living life and having it unfold, I want us to, to understand that it's not about what our profession is, It is not about where we are in life's journey in terms of age or uh, the events that have unfolded because there have been bumpy roads, there have been wrong turns, there have been all kinds of things as we live life or will happen as you live life. But it is about being in harmony with God. Uh, And that's the good life. The good life at the end of the day lays down at night puts the head on the pillow, uh, and sleeps until you get older. And even then, you're probably all right. My wife will ask me now and then, you know, how'd you sleep? I'll say, I don't know. I was asleep. That's a good answer. You know, didn't sleep well. Such and such was on my mind. I was doing this all night. You know, how how you do, you wake up. But the ability to, to, to rest, uh, the good life is it's probably reflected in our ability sometimes just to, to close everything else out and enter into silence and just be able to go, ah. People are living kind of a bad life. They've, they've, they've got to have some kind of distraction going on all the time because they don't want to stop, slow down, and look in the mirror and go, ooh, not good. But I want to say to you this, that the people in your sphere of influence, 
your sphere of life, are constantly watching and evaluating. It's not like they're just spying on you in a sense. But I mean, you're making this impact. And one of the best ways to bring them to Jesus is to live the good life out in front of them. Again, as we said a month ago, so that they might come to us, verse 15, on down the page, and say, what is it about you? What is it about you? I've been watching you here at work. I've been a customer of yours for umpteen years. We've gone to school together. We've lived as neighbors for... There's just something about you. Now, they might not come and say it in those words, but but there's that impact going on so that our life can be used to give them a reason for the hope that is in us. And what an awesome thing that that is. Awesome thing that that is.